0: Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with you. has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. Really enthused, really excited to have on the show today, Fabrice Grinda. Fabrice is one of the top investors in the world. And so it's it's been really enthused. Uh, I, I've been really excited to get him on the show for a while now. He has over 150 exits with over 500 angel investments. He's currently running a startup studio and venture fund called FJ Labs. He actually, he is the number one angel investor in the world, according to Forbes. And uh, I know this as well, but he definitely is one of the world's leading internet entrepreneurs and investors. I think no one better to have in terms of a perspective of uh, investments directly and indirectly related to health and well-being. Fabrice, welcome to the show. Thanks for carving out time to do this.
1: Thanks for having me. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. So maybe teleport us back. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about you know the series of events that you've gone through throughout your life to led you to where you're at today. And you know, um, along the lines, if you want to, you know, tell us a little bit about how you how you thought about health over the years as well. But just love to hear your origin story and you know what led you to become the person you are today.
1: I think, like for most people, the origin story has an, some elements of serendipity um, mm-hmm. to it. In uh, Windows 10, back in 1984, Uh, my parents bought me a a computer, though I already knew I wanted a computer, and it it happened to be a PC, and it was kind of love at first click, and Mm -hmm. immediately started programming, disassembling me, reassembling it. they they had a modem on it, so I would connect on Bolton board services, like the the answer to the internet, and I didn't do any of this because I did like, ooh, I've done a macroeconomic analysis of what the future holds, and clearly this is going to be a multi-trillion dollar industry in the future, and therefore I should do this. It's more like, no, this was a hobby, and Mm -hmm. it just so it turns out that my hobby became a ginormous multi-billion dollar industry. And so in the late 90s, when the bubble started inflating, I was at the right time at the right place with the right skills. And mm. But once I started playing the computers, it was clear that it was my going to be my life's work and it was the industry in the field where I was going to be in. I mean... When I went to Princeton uh, when I was 17, and when I was 18, I was, as a sophomore, they installed direct T1 lines, essentially, in our in our dorm rooms. So I had like mm-hmm. 10 megabit back in the day before the World Wide Web. Oh, wow. uh, and, and so was exposed to the very beginning of the internet. I was using Usenet, so the, the news groups, and, and Gopher, and ultimately Mosaic. And so really saw it be born. Um, and... I graduated Princeton when I was twenty-one, top of my class, and and I actually knew I wanted to be a tech entrepreneur, but I was very shy, very introverted, and I felt I didn't have the business skills required to go and be a successful entrepreneur. So I joined McKinsey and Company, the consulting company, uh, for two years to learn what I needed to learn, and then uh, thought would well, I might miss the bubble, but I didn't, and so then went on in my merry way and built a a number of companies, uh, mostly in the mar- marketplaces, so mostly in intermediaries between buyers and sellers, and. The biggest and most successful one of that is the last company I built, which is a company called OLX, which basically is what Craigslist should be. It's the leading classified site in the world. It's over 350 million unique visitors a month. Millions of people make a living off the site every month. It's the leading classified site in Russia, Ukraine, Poland, pretty much all of Eastern Europe, Brazil, most of Latin America, Africa, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, I mean, India, Pakistan, et cetera. And we have 5,000 employees and that company is super successful and it's mobile first, female friendly and focused, uh, no murders, race, prostitutions and all that horror that happens in Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And it's very valuable in countries where the existing, I guess, payments infrastructure and shipping infrastructure doesn't work particularly well. Um, now, while I was doing that, I was also investing a whole bunch of startups. And just because, by virtue of being a consumer-facing internet CEO, a lot of people come and ask for money and advice. And so I started investing mostly in marketplaces. And so by 2013, when I sold OLAX, I was like, oh, I like investing in companies. I like building companies. And so that led me to what I do today. Now, what I do today is really every year invest in around a hundred startups and uh, and build one new startup de novo in the marketplace space. Now you know what's interesting. This is maybe, perhaps, where it relates both to the future of health and the future of food. But also, um, why did this begin with? I mean, I could have, I guess, presumably retired fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so first writ large if you take a step back and you look at the quality of life that we have today if you look at the fact that we're working you know back in 1800 life expectancy was below 40 in every single country in the world people worked 70 hours a week to 80 hours a week to barely make ends meet 90 plus percent of the population of the world was in extreme poverty and um we were surviving and Relatively speaking, today, as a, as a as humanity, we are thriving. We work forty hours a week. We go on vacation. We can actually go from one end of the world to the other in like a, in 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 a number of hours. We can communicate for free around the world. And what has underpinned a lot of that improvement has been technology, and especially the role that entrepreneurs have played in in de- deploying technology at a large scale. In the deflationary power of technology makes people better off. And so, mm-hmm. in the last 100 years, GDP per capita in the U.S. about tripled, but quality of life has improved much more than that triple because food costs have divided by 10, mostly because of technology. Travel costs have divided by more than that. Communication costs have divided essentially by a billion uh, when you compare, like, the cost per word of a telegraph to today's essentially free, unlimited communications, communications. And, and so technology writ large is massively deflationary, and this continues to be true uh, to this day, meaning when I was a kid, only the rich flew planes uh, or took planes, and today, with uh, the low-cost airlines, and because we have these yield management systems and online air travel systems, et cetera, costs have declined dramatically through communications. I I mean, today you can be in the lower classes in an emerging market, and if you have a smartphone, you have Access to the sum total of humanity's knowledge in your pocket. You global, you have a level of global communications not available to the president of the U.S. 30 years ago. I mean, this mind-boggling, and we it's take a miracle. It. <laughs> yeah, it's totally miraculous, and and this is, and we're only at the beginning. Uh, right. If you think through, you know, what has been revolutionized by tech. Okay, communications. Uh, yes. Commerce is still at the beginning. like Only 10% of, of commerce is online in the U.S. and in the West. It's about 25% of China. That's going to go up a lot more. Some categories, like whatever, home services, is still 99% offline. And then when you think of like things like Healthcare, that's 10 to 20% of GDP around the world. That's basically has had negative productivity for a variety of reasons. It's not been disrupted at all. Food, yeah, okay, food ordering, uh, the margin has started to go online, but actually production, et cetera, has not gone online in any way, shape, or form, and we're investing massively in that, and I'll talk about that shortly. Um, Mm -hmm. It's true of public services. It's true elsewhere. So I guess first, writ large, uh, technology, I think, ultimately, because it's deflationary, decreases... uh, Costs of, of, of living and decreases the cost of things, and actually, ultimately, is massively egalitarian because it makes things cheap for everyone, and therefore will improve people's quality of life and health and in general. Now, more specifically, on the future of health and the future of food, um, we've had a number of thesis. The we've invested in probably over fifty food companies. So, and starting with a general. Mass market ordering system. So we're in Instacart, we're in Postmates, we're in Uber Eats. Uh, but then some of the thesis we had on the ordering side is that only today, only 1% of food is being ordered online. Uh, that's going to go to like 20, 30, 40, 50% as quality of food increases, the cost decreases, as delivery fees decline, as density increases. And so there are going to be many winners, and this market is going to verticalize. And so we're actually investors in companies like Slice, which is a pizza uh, food delivery company. We're in Chowbus in the Chinese food space, we're in Stadium in the B2B space. Uh, But maybe just as importantly, now that we're seeing the emergence of Cloud Kitchens, there's going to be a lot of of brands that are created Mm -hmm. directly to sell online. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, but that's only ordering. What's interesting is beyond that, you're starting to see on the food face uh, a a lot of um, a, a, a lot of like production that's being revolutionized. So we're seeing uh, things in synthetic biology. Of course, people have heard now of impossible foods and beyond meat. So mm-hmm. we've invested in in. in uh, I guess a synthetic uh, or molecular alcohol biology called a company called Endless West that basically uh, creates wine with a lot less chemicals and a lot less water required Uh, where we're looking. And now the, a lot more information is coming out in terms of how you should be, uh, what type of diets you should have, et cetera. We've invested in a a keto uh, bar company called a Mm -hmm. Frida, And in fact, I actually personally uh, am on a ketogenic diet for a variety of reasons that I'm happy to talk about. Uh, And so the category and and how do we improve health in general is really interesting. Now, on the health side, um, because we focus on marketplaces, the, the places we thought of where we could make the, play the biggest role and invest in, again, realizing that most of healthcare is currently still done the old-fashioned way with very high costs, uh, we've invested in senior care marketplaces like Kindly Care or Care Guide in Canada. Uh, we've invested in Maven Care, which is a care.com for like geriatric care. Uh, more maybe aggressively, or not aggressively, but like innovative. We've invested in a company or a parent company called Apollo Investments that invests in aging in general and anti-aging. Uh, we've invested in like Zeal, which is which is an on-demand massage company. Uh, Medina Health, which is a marketplace to help people uh, to help hospitals buy used uh, medical equipment. I mean, and many many others from. Uh, Lifestyle surgery, concierge company like Yelp, he and so this is definitely a category that is ripe for disruption and innovation. As we are at the very beginning of this of this revolution,
0: I love it. I love it, Fabrice. Yeah, know very familiar with your you know these portfolio investments that you have, and we are at a fascinating time of this uh, just the redefinition of food, right? How, and the logistics around it, the food phenomenon sleep phenomenon um the synthetic biology side of it it's it's very fascinating and i know you personally mentioned obviously you're on keto i'm on keto i've been on keto all week i'm going to try and fight the crave to uh, eat carbs tonight with my family um, but I, I personally find myself feeling like a,
1: like a billion bucks when I'm on keto and, and doing that. Yeah, by, by the way, I wouldn't recommend doing it just yeah. for a week because otherwise it takes kind of a week to get right. a, a proper ketosis. So it. Yeah. You're only going to be in like keto flu on and out. So I, I've been on it for two and a half months at this point, but I, 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 mix it with a number of what I consider to be today's best practices from mm. intermittent fasting. So uh, intermittent fast three to four times a week on 18 uh, six uh, schedule uh, mm-hmm. to maybe three day fast like three times or four times a year and um, ever since I read a book called why we sleep uh, I've been scared shitless on uh, <laughs> the, literally it's the scariest book I've ever read in my entire life oh, really? <laughs> and in terms of what happens if you don't sleep eight hours a night and and if you don't sleep more or less precisely from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. for a variety of reasons. Um, and and basically, you become obese, You age faster. Your intellectual cap- capability and cognition decreases. Uh, you get cancer. You get Alzheimer's. You you're, you become less fertile. You, you pharmaceutical side likely have heart disease. And <laughs> throughout my life, I actually prided myself. Oh, I don't need to sleep all that much. Uh, I can work day and night and and be productive. And and uh, reading that. That book is like completely revolutionized my desire to sleep. So now, you know, beyond uh, I actually track my sleep uh, between both an Oura Ring and uh, and a Fitbit. I make sure I try to sleep more. I've, I've copied a lot of the best practices from like decreasing the temperature of the room in which I sleep from uh, to sixty six degrees at night every night, et cetera. Et cetera.
0: Oh wow! So sixty six. That's what. Sort of- I was going to ask you, what's this? What's the difference that makes the difference with sleep? So, temperature 66, what else? What else yeah, is So, uh, during the day, a of people are you know, yeah, trying yeah. to sleep
1: better. Yeah, so go to bed at, at the same time every night. Drink literally zero alcohol. I mean, there are a lot of reasons not to drink alcohol to begin right. with. It's massively toxic, but it actually decreases your sleep quality. And so, you should not consume any alcohol. Uh, I mean, jokingly says if you want to consume alcohol, you should do it in the morning because then it will not impact your sleep. Uh, <laughs> caffeine do not consume caffeine post noon because caffeine has a half-life of six hours so if you have a coffee at 4 p.m at 10 p.m half the caffeine you ingested at 4 p.m is still in your body and will make it harder for you to sleep do not expose yourself to screens and stimuli you know more than one or two hours before you go to bed Uh, try to set the exact same time to go to bed and to get up every day including on the weekends the meditate maybe twenty maybe twenty minutes before bed um, every night. The yeah, those are probably the the, the core elements. Uh, use your bed only for sleep, uh, and your bedroom only for sleep. So don't have a TV in the bedroom. Do don't be doing work in the computer in the bed. Like go do it at your desk or go watch it in the living room. This way you train your mind that your bed is for sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's some of the best practices, but yeah, combining all of these, like the keto plus intermittent fasting, uh, plus uh, better sleep, I think makes you feel like a million bucks.
0: I love it. I love it. And then, on the keto side right there's there's clean keto right and then there's like pinterest dirty keto um what's what's your secret obviously you know there's some great great snacks by the way obviously on hey frida right that, that are i'm looking at some of these and i'm getting hungry uh, just <laughs> looking at them but what what's what's uh what's the difference that makes the difference with keto for you or, or just i
1: guess in terms of what you eat? yeah i think for the for most so for keto in a for me is I eat essentially infinite quantities of food, but it's a very restricted set of foods, right? Like, And so mm-hmm. uh, the core, my core diet now, avocado is like the core the core that, that I eat. Also, being over 40, it's important for me not to lose muscle mass to have more protein. So even though the mm-hmm. ideal keto is probably 80, well, not ideal, but uh, ideal varies, but maybe 80% fat and 20% protein. I'm more like 70-30. The uh, in terms of, uh and, and so the core, my core meal per day would be like endive salad with uh, MCT, made with MCT oil, like apple cider cider vinegar and mustard with uh, uh, ch- with Parmesan cheese and avocado, and then mm. that I may or may not have different proteins. Now the thing is, I cut out all desserts. I I, I actually do clean keto, so I don't like stevia and all the other sweeteners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the snacks may be useful in the early days as a means of like getting you over your sweetness and sugar addiction. The thing is, once you're in ketosis for a month month um it doesn't you don't really miss it anymore like i don't i don't see a chocolate cookie or brownie or whatever and say "Ooh, i wish i could have it. it's like eh, no no real interest in it whatsoever uh and so there's a, I, there's a reason not to do clean keto so i actually don't do any of the sweeteners or any of that uh the only thing i really miss are fruits i, re, I used to be addicted to uh pomegranates but they have a lot of fructose so i've cut that out instead mm-hmm. i eat um I eat raspberries once in a while and some coconut as dessert once in a while. And that's basically it. Uh, So clean keto, I think is the way to go. And to measure, to make sure that you're in ketosis, um, urine strips don't work at all because they only measure the delta in your ketone levels and, mm-hmm. and ultimately they stabilize. Uh, the blood thing is annoying. So I, I just got the breath analyzer from ketonics. Uh, and I do that. Um, and I do that like twice a day, once in the morning and once at night before, before dinner, If should I eat dinner? Or, should, or frankly, should I not eat dinner? Just to make sure that I do do anything to screw it up because what I've learned is it's very easy to get kicked out of ketosis. And, and for our
0: listeners out there on the fasting schedule, you mentioned what, Break that down again. So you, you, you stop eating when and you start eating when? How many so- days a week?
1: Yeah, so I'm so it, so because you don't want your body to get used to intermittent fasting. Uh, otherwise, I think it loses, frankly, its impact. I only do it three or four times a week, uh, and it's mostly driven around my my social schedule and when I'm gonna. Have, uh, so, th- but typically, what I would do, I would not eat breakfast because I wake up and I'm not hungry, and so that's a personal preference. So, typically, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat lunch either at twelve, and then I'm gonna have dinner at six. So, I'd, and consume everything in like in that six hours window uh or i'll do it at two and eight uh, Mm -hmm. and i'll do that three or four times a week but what also often happens at least once a week is i just eat one meal a day which is lunch or dinner and i and that's it uh and -hmm. just because i'm not hungry like what i've learned that works for me is eat when hungry and and often um i happen not to be hungry now i realize that's not you know my brother is like there are no times where I'm not hungry, like if he could leave a meal and still be hungry. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that strategy works for everyone, but in my case, that also is like listening to my body and what it tells me about how much hunger I have works pretty effectively. Mm,
0: mm, I love it. I love it. No, thank you for that. I just learned yeah. a lot, and so I need to step up yeah. my keto game for yeah. sure. Yeah, and
1: actually, a few, a few more, a few more tricks um, mm. the, that increase uh, fat burn and actually do not create insulin response. So, if you consume a little bit of apple, apple cider vinegar, it'll actually create more ketones and will not. It, it does not trigger an insulin response, and so it actually increases your ketosis and, and extends the your can actually be a net positive to your fast. Uh, and also pure MCT oil, so not coconut oil. but actually pure MCT oil, if you put it in your coffee, mm. um, also will will not break your fast, and, and it's fantastic for giving you energy. Should you feel you need energy uh, beyond uh, uh, be, be, be beyond uh, the fact, give, considering the fact that you haven't consumed calories.
0: And silly question with the apple cider vinegar, aside from the salad, you sometimes like put that in a glass of water and then knock it back with a straw so it doesn't get all over your teeth. I know that's the thing that I concerns me a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I put exactly. I put it in sparkling water, drink it, or frankly, just I just take a, a teaspoon, drink it, put it in the back of my throat and directly drink it, and that's it. and this way it doesn't hit my teeth. And what I'll often do is I'll use uh, just brush your teeth it's because your toothpaste is uh, as very high pH, and so it'll actually balance the pH in your teeth, so it doesn't actually uh, erode the enamel of your teeth.
0: Mm, mm. And, and uh so i think that the the underpinning side too is uh so obviously you know coming back to the, the volume of investment so i can only imagine how many deals you're working on and how many i guess how many deals you're looking at and so i don't know yeah we get I don't a hundred, but, I, oh get my a hundred God, I don't know how so i don't sometimes i struggle turning my brain off and, and um i find the quality of meditation i do before bed and throughout the day helps me unwind a lot, and so I, I need to make sure that I'm not, like, researching stuff, yep. heavy, like, quantum entanglement before bed, or I'll, I'll be just up thinking about it, but um, what do you do on the mindfulness end, meditation-wise? What's your, what's your regimen there, and then, uh, you know, obviously, you're for over 40, yeah, like, what do you do uh, physically to, sure. to muscle tone? well, well
1: it, it, for me or in a way a lot of the sports i do are a form of meditation like when i'm playing mm-hmm. tennis i'm only playing tennis i'm not thinking about work i'm not thinking about anything else it's like what how am i going to play the next point and it's it is a form so i do i do three sports pretty competitively uh tennis kite surfing and and extreme skiing or and a half be skiing and powder and uh those three are the, or a both a form of exercise and meditative form beyond that just for maintenance uh, twice a week some weight training now totally. in terms of meditation different types of meditation work best for different people mm-hmm. uh i i deal much better with, with guided meditation yeah in terms of keeping my mind from wandering and like you make me do something and it works and focus on my breath it works a lot better for me than just clear your mind. And, mm-hmm. and as such, uh, either the, it, and, and and having the Muse 2, uh, which is that device that like tells you how effectively you're meditating, uh, helps reasonably, help, helps a fair man. But then uh, I also use a lot of meditations for, uh, I use simple habit, but like whatever headspace is, is just as effective. Mm, mm. And uh, so, no, this is, this is
0: awesome for me. So I really, really appreciate the, the the advice here. I'm definitely walking away with like four or five things. I'm sure our listeners will as well. And, you know, from a, from an investment standpoint and in, like topics, you know, so Parsley health, you guys have invested in a lot of other, you know, health startups along the way. I guess I'm curious on like, you know, how do you look at your 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 investments in health spaces that you're looking at in terms of the future? Like, what, what sure. future are you going towards from a health perspective? What would you like to see happen society-wise? Um, you know, tell us a little bit of more about your vision of health in the future and some of these, like, health topics coming. Are they all coming to a head? What, is that, what does that look like, you know?
1: Well, I was saying earlier, like health is one of the categories where essentially there's been negative productivity. We're spending more and more money right. as a percentage of GDP on health, and yet the outcomes haven't been improving very much in the last few years. So longevity is still increasing, mostly because uh, we've, A, decreased, essentially eliminated infant mortality, and B, people starting to smoke a lot less than before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of actual improvement beyond where we are today, we need a fundamental reinvention of the system, which is not going to happen given the way the incentives are i mean the currently especially the u.s we consumers are not the consumers of our own health Uh, the the health the health insurance is provided for by employers because health insurance is tax deductible which um my wish, and this is a legacy, by the way, of World War II. In World War II, there were wage controls, and because there were wage controls, companies lobbied Congress to make to to make uh, health insurance deductible so they compete, compete in benefits because they're not allowed to compete on wages. The thing is, that did not end post-World War II, and as it often happens with these laws, you know, the law of unintended consequences, it led to the structure of the market we have today where consumers are not the consumers of their own, own health. Also, health insurance as a structure in the U.S., frankly, in many ways looks a lot like prepaid health health care rather than health insurance that I mean, proper insurance would be you pay 20 bucks a month and it covers you for catastrophic care but everything else you know you kind of pay out of pocket mm-hmm. um what i'd like to see is more of a transition to the consumers being at the center and in control of their own health and focusing on preventative care and the now because the core of the of the system is, is regulated and uh, that is not a, an effective way for startups and people like us are attacked. And so the things I've been, and we've been funding, I mean, how do we how do we take, if we take the massive trends, like the, most of people are becoming older, how do we make the life of older people better? And so that's why we invested in things like Care Guide or Kindly Care mm-hmm. or Maven Care uh, in the geriatric and senior care side in marketplaces, which is what we do, but at the same time, vertical by vertical, you know, we're doing. We did apostrophe, which is like dermatologists on demand. We did uh, parsley, parsley. You know, falls on a category with companies like One Medical and Ford right. on, on how do you improve the relationship with your primary care uh, provider? How do you how do you start using more holistic type of of, uh, uh, of of advice and use the best practices across different types of medicine? Um, and maybe the long-run vision there would be, can they be something like the quarterback for your health? The people that have an overall vision of everything that you do and that you are, and, and and then can make the recommendations for what you should do and and, and send you the best specialist. So my 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 hope and dream is that we can by attacking the verticals which are the easiest to disrupt and by improving the user experience, because right now your user experience as a consumer in the in the healthcare system is completely broken and it really sucks. I mean, if I if I I went to the emergency room for a friend of mine not that long ago we waited like eight hours. They were trying to, even though he had like passed out, he was barely conscious. They're trying to make him sign a bunch of paperwork that made no sense whatsoever. Instead of like mm-hmm. just figuring out how urgent is, is, his case was, they were trying, worried about like whatever liability or whether he could pay. I'm like, yeah. this is not the yeah. appropriate court. You first cure and people then you deal with the rest. We <laughs> are right. we are going about this the, the exact incorrect way. If I go to also if I go to the doctor's office today, any doctor, specialist or generalist, typically, I I they make you wait. Thirty minutes, one hour, two hours—like they have no respect for your time. They treat you like you're in like an assembly line. It is not at all the vision I have for the future of health, where the patient should be at the center of, the, uh, of that. And so, category by category, vertical by vertical—be it your general practitioner with parsley, be it a dermatologist with apostrophe, be it you know. We're going to try to create better user experiences uh, where both it's both cheaper and better uh, than what is currently available, uh, and mm-hmm. ideally, in the long run, we can get that to be to be reimbursed. Now, in the long, long run. The thing is that what, that requires a fundamental change that at, at the legal, legal level I would like consumers to be buying their own health insurance and not companies and so we need to make it non tax deductible um, and I think that would lead to a lot of, of changes in the way the industry is, 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 is catering to because right now um, you know you're you're in a way you're not the you're not because you're not the payer uh, you're not the you're not the, the the one at the center of the relationship.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, know. This is, uh, I appreciate that vision. Yeah, I, you know, I'd like to see us get there. Definitely. I think what's really fascinating is obviously, you know, a lot of the companies we've invested in, but, you know, the way that you're thinking about the market, and it, it, it's refreshing also to see, um, you know, the, the the mindset of your investments, right? And kind of, you know, you're living it, right? You're living kind of an idealistic you know, scenario um, for, you know, optimal high energy, right? High movement, (laughs) don't eat a lot of carbs, don't eat sugar, right? Like kind of like getting back to the basics in that. Yeah. And and by the
1: way, a lot of the current, quote unquote best practices that i apply to myself or not what are considered to be uh best practices to uh, by you know if you look at like the food map that and what they recommended allocation of carbs is by the u.s uh uh but yeah AI, I, I think carbs yeah. are at least 25 percent if not a lot more than that so it, it's not a, and and you know it's also funny when you think about what are people making legal or illegal like the, the three most addictive, toxic substances I can think of, you know, which are like tobacco, uh, alcohol, and sugar, are all legal. And then you have things like psychedelics, which are non-toxic and, and non-addictive, that are <laughs> right. illegal. And like, illegal. You know, yeah. like, that world is completely upside down and, like, and, and should be the reverse. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Fabrice. I'm, I'm
0: right there with you, and hopefully we'll see it. Obviously, there's probably a lot of underpinning things, you know, society-wise that have led it to be that way, but the good thing is, like, there's more of a mass of people like yourself that are wanting to, to, to tip things the other way, the right way it should be. Yeah. Uh, Fabrice, I just want to say uh, I really appreciate your time. I want to be sensitive to it. Um Thank you for being on uh, our show to share your experiences, your origin story, your passions for health. Thank you for giving us at least five to ten really actionable, powerful, you know, ways that we can optimize our own health. I, I'm I'm very you know inspired myself, and I'll have to report back on on, on my changes that I do. Um, but for Reese, I guess, um, well, first of all, it's it, it's it's very easy to find your social stuff on the internet. You just type for Greece and Google and you pop right up always. But what's a good way for our listeners to get in touch with you or engage with you on social media, uh, et cetera, if you'd like that to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean first of all I blog at a pretty regular basis on a whole bunch of topics on my blog, which is just my name, Fabrice com. The otherwise um, yeah, I, I'm not super active on, on, on social media. I post occasionally, but mostly my blog posts, frankly, is just kind of marketing distribution channel on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But I do you know, I do see the messages when they get there or or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh I, I Unless there's a release really with request, I, I rarely engage there, but you know i'm I am present though not super active. I, I just like writing and sharing more than anything else.
0: I love it, I love it well, Fabrice we'll link we'll link to that on you know the show notes. Um, again, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on the show. This was great uh, again to our listeners out there Fabrice, number one angel investor in the world, got some amazing awesome health habits that are super inspiring. Um, and uh, this is the pop Show. This show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. Thanks so much, Fabrice. This was great. Thank you. Thanks so much.